Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, an Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is just Brandon again, because we're starting season six. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, Cortland. I'm doing well. Awesome. Are you excited for season six? Yeah, actually, I am. I am, too. You know, it's a new season, a new Midnight Society, a new me. A new you, yes. New season, new Brandon. refreshed, ready to go in, hear some spooky stories. Yeah. And have some goofs. Maybe the spookiest stories? Probably not, but... (laughs) No, no, of course not. (laughs) Well, how are you doing, Brandon? Did you have a good week or two weeks? Yeah, yeah, it was okay. We've either had a guest or it's been a season finale, so uh, anything sweet happen lately? Um, nope. Okay. Did you know what? What? My wife found a gray hair on my beard the other day. I think I'm turning into an old man. You are? That's not fair. You know, like normally, I, I look at myself in the mirror and I don't, I don't see gray hairs. But there is one specific light in the bathroom at my work that when I stand in there, all I see is gray hairs. But only mm. in that light. As soon as I step away... I de-aged like 30 years. (laughs) You know, I'm considering stealing the life out of, like, old men. (laughs) (laughs) You want the life from old men? Well, I just need, like, a a year or something. So, you know, (laughs) put him in the captured souls machine. It'll be all right. (sighs) Take some of those old juices. Yeah, it's just one hair, so. (laughs) That's how it starts. Yeah, right. It's not going to stay one hair. We're getting old, Cortland. It's not fair, Brandon. I want to be young and beautiful forever. <laughs> I'm going to need to get some th- three tons of dogs, I think. Yeah, that's a <laughs> lot of dogs, so you better get started early. I know. I I think I could probably hold them all in my backyard. That'll be fine. There'll just <sighs> be a parade tons. of barks throughout the neighborhood all day and night. It's worth it. Are you ready to talk about Are You Afraid of the Dark's season six opener? Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, me too. So Brandon and I just got done watching Season 6, Episode 1, The Tale of the Forever Game. What did you think about this episode, Brandon? I thought this episode was dumb, but I liked it. That's because it's Jumanji, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's the part I like. Jumanji's The characters and everything else are dumb, but you know what? Jumanji is a kick-ass movie. So good. I love Jumanji. And so fake Jumanjis are alright with me, too. Yeah, and I think that this episode did fake Jumanji pretty fun and pretty well, I guess. Yeah. I was not disappointed, I guess. No. I mean, you're starting up Are You Afraid of the Dark again. I don't really know the context behind what this season is. How many years between the last season and this season is it? Well, the last season's episode was uh, premiered in 1996. That's when, like, Night Shift and badge premiered or whatever um this one was 1999 so it's only been a couple of years okay so why even is this i'm not really sure i've never really looked it up honestly why did they end it and why did they bring it back i don't know because it's not like it's that long like shows nowadays i mean shoot full house ended in what 95 and then they brought it back in like 2015 or something i could see that shows can come back whenever now yeah roseanne and Full House. I mean, even Are You Afraid of the Dark is coming back again, so I don't know why they decided to be like, all right, let's take like a couple years off. I don't get it. Like three years is just long enough 
where it is reframed more as like a reboot rather than just this is the next season, but we've, you know, changed some things. You know, I think Erie, Indiana did the same thing, actually. Because that show, yeah, the first season, I don't think, I think it only had like one season. And then um, another company, I think it was the ABC family at the time or Fox family, whatever, picked it up a couple of years later. And it was like a new cast and everything. I mean, at least this uh, this reboot has at least one cast member that's the same. But yeah, that surprised me because I real I expected it to just be a clean break. Uh uh-uh, uh. So it, it's it's a weird weird thing. It's like the same show, it's the same universe, but it's not the same show. Right. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about it? Yes. Let's get into it. Okay. Our episode starts up, and we get this great first-person shot of someone walking down the pathway to the old Midnight Society meeting spot, and then it pans up, it? and we see it's Tucker. Tucker 4.0. 4.0 now? Yeah. Well, he was 2.0 in season 4, 3.0 in yeah. season 5, Tucker 4.0. Uh, he was always 2.0. <laughs> I know. He actually uh, downgraded in season 5 to <laughs> Tucker 2.0 again. But yeah, I mean, this is this is an older Tucker. That's Tucker at the age that like Gary was in season two. <laughs> okay. Someone off screen yells Tucker, and he turns around and he looks, and there's another kid about his age that walks up saying, "This better be the place. My boots are killing me." Of course, it's the place. I mean, would Tucker? It's only been like a couple of years, and Tucker's just like forgot. <laughs> no, no, it's just no. No, this is the wrong campfire with a storyteller thrown. <laughs> Ours is over there. <laughs> well, Tucker looks around at the abandoned gathering spot saying, this is it. And the two kids hear another noise from behind them. And they whip around to see a girl walking up saying that she walked into some something stringy. And Tucker laughs saying, it's just a spider web. And helps her get the webbing out of her hair. And she tells him to get it off. And the camera zips over to another kid who says, I got the wood. And he takes, like, two running steps, and then he drops it all over the first kid, who says, whoa, faceplant. Yeah. The second you see this kid, and he says, I got the wood, you're just waiting for him to drop it. Because you know he is going to. Yes, yes, yes. Tucker asks the kid if he's okay, and he says, yeah, and he sits down. And then, another girl pops out of nowhere and says, hey, I told you guys to wait up. I'm not as fast as you. And the first kid tells her that she should have stayed home and calls her a roach. And she throws a piece of wood at him, which is pretty great. And he dodges it saying, easy, you could have beamed me. It's the idea. That was pretty funny, though. I didn't expect her to chuck a log at him. (laughs) (laughs) Tucker breaks it up saying, all right, look, let's just sit down. And first girl's like, where? On the ground? And Tucker tells her, no, grab a log or a rock. And she's all, yeah, that's much better. And Falling Kid says it's exactly how he pictured it. Why did you come here? I don't know. She's the Kristen. <laughs> yeah, she's Kristen 3.0. <laughs> but they establish very early on that she's just like, ooh, icky. Ooh, I want to go home and talk on the phone. Like, come on. I can't wait for her stories. <laughs> Probably going to be the boring ones. <laughs> Over with Tucker, he explains that they closed off the trail and no one's been back since we left. And First Kid asks how this all works, and Tucker says the rules are simple. This is all about telling the tales. And Second Girl says, scary tales, which is what the (laughs) show was supposed to be originally called. Good one, Second Girl. So, do you think the Midnight Society is like 
legendary at this point. Hmm. The kids at the school are just like, back in the day, there used to be these kids who told scary tales in the middle of the woods. Mm, I don't think so. Because then it wouldn't be like a, I don't know, a tree. I think that Tucker is just like, I need friends. He's just hyping this up. Yeah, I think that's what it is. these kids who mostly don't want to be there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tucker tells them, exactly. I know you guys, just like my brother Gary and the friends he brought here. We all love stories that are weird and scary. And the secret place is where we tell these stories. Because when we enter the circle, we leave reality behind and enter a dark world where anything can happen. And then the campfire blazes to life as if by magic. And the second boy just kind of shrugs for some reason. And Tucker reaches over and he finds the old pouch of monkey bone dust saying, it's still here. Of course it is. Okay, so we're going to introduce these new Midnight Society members. But first, I love the fact that he did not re-invite Stig. I was hoping you were going to mention that. Yes. Stig was his friend who he brought into the Midnight Society. Yes. But he did not reinvite him. No. <laughs> He's just like, oh, and there's this Stig guy. He told this dumb story about a pool. Well, we, we don't want that in our group. <laughs> He's like, guys, just avoid Stig at school. Just don't <laughs> tell him that we're hanging out. <laughs> when he comes up and asks if you guys went into the woods, just be like, what? No, that's stupid. Woods are dumb. <laughs> the monkey bone dust is still there. Yeah. Which kind of makes me think that whenever the original Midnight Society left for the last time, they maybe thought they were coming back. So Yeah. Well, he said that the trail was closed, so I don't know. They must have just been like, oh, guess we can't go back there anymore. <laughs> Even though they just did, so I don't know. Maybe the wolves took over? I guess so. Oh, it makes me, th- makes me think. The imagination runs wild. What happened? Maybe we'll find out. Maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll tell us later. Who knows? All right. Now Tucker's going to introduce us to all these new Midnight Society members, so let's meet them. First up is the second girl to enter the meeting place, and the first one Tucker introduces, her name is Vange, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. It's not a good name. No, I've never no offense ever to all the Vanges out there. <laughs> right. I've never heard anybody named Vange before. Um, she's played by Vanessa Lenges, and, and she voiced Emily and Arthur, who I don't know what character that is. She played Natasha in Waiting, and its apparent sequel is still Waiting. And, Brandon, she was in two episodes of Llama Cop. No, really? Yeah, which I looked up and is exactly what it sounds like. It's a, wow. It, it's not an animated show, it's real life, and there's an officer and his, his partner's a cop, and it's a llama. And I thought that was just a Geico commercial, but... It's a show. Okay. Next Good up. for her. <laughs> yeah, right. Next up, the first girl that got spider webs in her hair. Her name is Megan, and she's played by Alicia Cuthbert, who we last saw briefly in the tale of The Night Shift as a vampire veiled as a little girl. Yeah, she was incredible in that role. She was so good that uh, I was wishing she was be a Midnight Society member, and then my wish came true. <laughs> We covered her other acting roles in that episode, but just to recap, she played Alex Kirkovich in Happy Endings. Mm-hmm. Never seen it. Ended in 2020, though, didn't it? It ended in, like, 2013 or something. IMDb said 2020. Well, IMDb is a goddamn liar. 
It is. Speaking of IMDb real quick, this episode that we're going to be talking about has a 3.5 on IMDb. And that is not what this episode should be rated. No. This should be like a 7 or an 8 at least. This episode's better than Manaha. Yeah, by far. Yes. Tucker moves right around and introduces us to the other two members, Andy and Quinn. Andy is the kid who dropped the logs, and he's played by a familiar face, David DeVoe, who we last saw as Eddie, a.k.a. Augustus Gloop, from The Tale of the Manaha. Yeah. There's really nothing else in his filmography that we didn't already cover, so let's go on to Quinn. Finally, there's Quinn, the first kid with Tucker, who was played by Kareem Blackwell, whose only other roles include being a panelist in Figure It Out in 1999 and playing Kareem in Cyber Chase with Gilbert Gottfried in 2002. Oh, lucky him. Those were literally his only other roles. So, good job, Kareem. I figure it out was a pretty cool show. Yeah, right? <laughs> Did you see the watermelon-eating kid? No, I didn't. You should look it up. It's pretty funny. There's a kid that can eat 11 pounds of watermelon in one minute, and... The episode is so ridiculous because the whole audience just laughs at this kid as he's eating watermelon, and he's while he's eating it, you remember in A Christmas Story when uh, Ralphie's brother eats the mashed potatoes like a piggy? Yeah. Okay, it's exactly like that. He has this giant slice of watermelon, and he's just like, nom, 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 and he's laughing, <laughs> and it's insane. It's insanity. I'll, I'll send you a link later. Yeah, I want to see that. Okay. <laughs> Uh, of course, there's Tucker. He's played by Daniel DeSanto still. still. We already covered him last week, so I think we should just keep going with the episode. Tucker says the members by name and asks if they're ready, and they all nod their head, and Tucker says that the first story is his. Submitted for the approval of the new Midnight Society, I call the story... The Tale of the Forever Game. No intro at all, like, no teaser for this episode. No. He already said, though, like... Oh, the stories transport us to another world. Uh-huh. That's all you need. Eh, true. It's up to these kids to learn that they need to come up with gimmicks and mm. intros that are vaguely relevant. We're probably going to get, like, the worst vaguely relevant intros this season, I bet. I They're figuring wait. things out. I'm so excited. But first, we got to get through this shit. This 3.5 nonsense. <laughs> IMDb. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Our tale opens up to some super exciting bike riding in the woods. There's a couple of kids hooting and hollering. It's great. One of the kids keeps yelling that's catching up, and we see a girl tailing behind. And finally, all the fun is ruined as the girl falls over. The two boys look behind. One's in a yellow coat, one's in a red coat. And the one in yellow says, maybe they should take it easy on her. And red coat asks, why? I'm sick of waiting for her. Let's go. And he gets back on his bike to pedal away, but Yellowcoat says, Hold on, man, she's your sister. You okay, Monica? <laughs> she's like convulsing on the ground, like covered in blood. <laughs> Her limbs are shattered and in all directions, and he's like, Come on. <laughs> she can handle herself. Monica says, Yeah, and she walks over with her bike, and she's snapping, Do you have to go so fast? And her brother's all, Oh, what's the matter? Can't your widow eggs keep up? And Monica tells him that she's just not as big as them. And the camera zooms up to her brother's face as he says, If you don't like it, go home and play with dolls. And then he rides away. And Monica asks Yellow Jacket Kid why he is so mean to her. And Yellow tells her that he used to be like that to him too. Until he proved that he was as good as Red Jacket Kid is. And Monica's all, in other words, he's a jerk. 
And Yellow Jacket Kid agrees, saying, yeah, pretty much. Come on, let's go. And then they ride away. So why the hell did he want to be his friend in the first place? I don't think I can answer that. Like, this guy is so fucking cool that you, like, go through trials to be his friend. Yes. He's just some asshole who thinks he's cool because he rides a huffy through the woods. Like, fuck off. I'm going to be a little controversial here. Um, Okay, so, Kid in the Red Jacket, his name is Peter. And when I was doing my notes for this episode, I kept looking at him, and I thought he kind of looked like Luke Skywalker. Okay. I thought he looked familiar. Uh But I couldn't put my finger on it. But I definitely didn't think Luke Skywalker. He's got the Mark Hamill vibe to me. Mark Hamill from, like, New Hope. Yeah, busted up Mark Hamill. Got it. Yeah. So, let's take a moment and meet these kids. First up, we have the jerk in the red jacket. His name's Peter, like I said. He's played by J. Adam Brown, who was in Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire. Not as anybody important, though, so don't get excited. I got excited. Too late. Well, sorry. Well, you can get excited about this one. He was in four episodes of a show called Pure Ponage from 2010. I know. No shit? (laughs) Yeah. Pure Ponage. I looked at that name and I was like, that is the most late 2000s name of a television show that could ever exist. That's a show that this character would want to be on. The Peter. Do you remember people pwned? Oh my god. Yeah. That was some epic. It was epic pwnage. Oh. He did some voices in Far Cry 4 and the Assassin's Creed games, and he played in one episode of The Handmaid's Tale, which I've heard of, so I put in here. That's a show. I, yeah. I know that for a fact. I've definitely heard people say Handmaid's Tale. I don't know if it was good or not, but whatever. The kid with the yellow jacket's name is Mark. When does it say his name is Mark? Um, you know what, Brandon? I don't know. I heard that Peter's name was Peter, and I figured that out because he wasn't in the frame when they were calling for Peter, and mm-hmm. I already knew Monica's name. Yeah. So when it said Mark on IMDb, I just connected the dots. I was, like, waiting to find out his name the whole episode. I feel like I must have missed it. You probably didn't, but now that I use IMDb, uh, it makes it a lot easier to identify who's who, except <laughs> in the tale of the Manaha. All the power. Yeah, my problem is, if I do it too early and I don't actually meet the kids, I won't know who is connected to what name, and then when I do my notes, I might fuck it up, because I, like, associate a name with, like, the main character or whatever, and it just, it can be a mess. Oh my. Yeah. I have to be careful so with this So they power. should just say the names. They should. But his name is Mark, and he's played by Todd Fennell, and this this guy does a lot of video game voices and stuff like Naruto, Rise of the Ninja, Assassin's Creed, Rainbow Six Siege, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Cool. Yeah, he seems like a pretty cool dude. Unfortunately, I thought in this episode that he was going to be more important, but he's not important really at all. No. He's the third wheel. He's just like the one who isn't an asshole to Monica, so... Yes. She's got somebody there. Monica is played by Sarah Gaddon, who played Carrie in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Did you ever watch that movie? Nope. I liked them. I liked The Amazing Spider-Man movies. I thought they were good. Not good enough. She also played Sadie Dunhill in the 11-22-63 TV miniseries, which I heard that book is really good. Yeah, I want to read that book, but it's so long. It's, I know. I don't have time for reading. She was also gay... And Letter Kenny. And she was also just in a ton of other stuff. Like, we got 
These kids all went on to do really great things. Okay, so she's an actress. Yeah. Who acts in things. All three of these kids had cool. a picture on, on IMDb, so you know that they are <laughs> prolific. Yeah, that's pretty much the line. Yeah, I mean, sometimes even when they don't have pictures, they still have like a lot of roles or whatever, but yeah, these kids all had... These kids are all in stuff recently and just so many things. But let's get back to the episode. Mark and Monica are rolling down the path on their bikes, wondering aloud where Peter is. And you'll hear that a whole lot in this episode. Mm-hmm. Where's Peter? Peter? Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater. Who it's ridiculous. gives a good goddamn where Peter is? Well, two children that aren't assholes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's their curse. They hear some crows cawing or something, and Monica asks, where'd he go? And she's looking around, and then Peter jumps out in front of her with, like, a roar, which didn't scare anybody. And Monica looks at him saying, not funny. And Peter's all, sure it was, for me. And he walks over to Mark, who says that they should head back. And Peter tells him, no way. And he lifts up a little branch, and it shows a new path. And Mark tells him that he's never seen that trail before. And Peter agrees, saying it must be one of them renegade biker trails. Let's hit it. (laughs) Renegade biker trails. (laughs) I love that thought. This guy thinks there's just roving bands of Mad Max-style bicyclists (laughs) driving through these woods. Just a band of bike pirates stealing bells and chains and shit. Yes. Running away on these hidden trails covered by one tiny little branch. Yeah, he wants a piece of that. Oh yeah, because this guy's fucking extreme. He just bleeds... This extreme. was 1999, okay? Everybody wanted to be extreme. Oh, I mean, God. it wasn't quite to the pure ponage. <laughs> yeah. He life, thinks he's but... extreme to the max. With two yeah. X's. Exactly. Yes. Monica asks if they should stick to the marked trails. Peter's all, if you want to chicken out, fine. You know the way home. Monica tells him it's safer to stick together. But Mark tells her to just follow Peter and he'll be right behind her. So Peter, from off-camera, yells, just try and keep up, and away the group rolls. What an interesting setting for this story that is about, um, spoilers, board games. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot to be, like, out in the woods and then getting lost in the woods and then it's board games. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I, I thought it would be board games, but this isn't how I thought it would get to board games. Yes, exactly. You thought it was going to be just like Jumanji, where they go in the attic I and thought, they're like, hey, yeah, just what's find that? some board game no. at a garage sale or something, but no. It's far more complicated than that. It's magical woods. We watch them through the trees riding down the path, and then they stop and they look at an old rusty bike that's covered in dead vines next to a tree. And Mark says that that's creepy. And Monica asks, who dumped their bike down here? And Pete says, someone who can't take the heat. And he keeps riding on. My god, this guy. (laughs) Like, dude, you're riding a bike down marked trails on completely flat ground in the woods. He acts (laughs) like he's goddamn Evil Knievel or something. He acts like he's discovering (laughs) portions of unmarked territory. Like Like he's riding with a machete just clearing out the woods. (laughs) Like riding up mountains or something. He's just, like, on a bike path, like, oh, this fucking can't keep up. It's a well-beaten-down bike path. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We look up at some funky-looking dead tree, and the kids all stop, and and Mark asks, now what? And Pete points, saying, this way, and the kids ride on. 
and they keep riding the trail and stop at the same dead nasty tree again. And Mark's telling Pete they led them in a circle. So Peter looks up at the tree kind of defiantly and he rolls his bike in another direction and the kids follow. And we look at the tree and the kids rolling their bikes in one of the paths and then the camera slowly pans over and the kids are riding their bike back down another path right back to the tree. And Peter throws his bike over by a tree saying, how many of these trees are there? And Monica's all, I think there's only one. And Mark adds in, we're going in circles. And Monica throws her hand saying, it's like we're stuck in a maze. And the camera zooms in on Peter again as he says, there's got to be a trail out. And he looks around and then he says that they should all take a different path. Oh, that is a dumb idea. It is, but you know what? I like this situation that they're in. I think it's cool. Yeah, I've played The Legend of Zelda. It's cool. Yeah, they're in the Lost Woods. Pretty great. If they had split up and two of them went the wrong way and one of them went the right way, how would they meet up anyway? It's a good question. It's <laughs> <laughs> just one of them would just be like, I'm free. And then the rest <laughs> would just die in the woods. And then their skeletons would be in the woods and some asshole would come by and be like, someone couldn't keep up, I guess. Woo! Somebody would be like, weak! (laughs) Cue a generic guitar solo. (laughs) Immediately, Monica says that that's a bad plan and that they should all stick together. And Pete snaps, hey, I don't see you coming up with a better idea. Monica yells, yeah, it was your last idea that got us all stuck here. And Peter yells that this idea is going to get us out. So move. And Monica blinks at him and then rides her bike down a trail. And Mark rides his down another. And we stay with Peter for a second who looks up at that ugly tree and then walks to his bike. But he hears like a loud groaning noise coming from the tree. So he stops, he takes off his helmet, and he walks over to that tree. And he puts his hand on it, and then gets sucked into the damn tree. Oh, that's not radical. Well, it was kind of radical. Like, what we got to see, probably not what he saw. Oh, yeah. Like, him disappearing, I'm all in favor of. Yeah, it was great. He falls to the floor, and he pushes some leaves off of him, and now it's nighttime or something where he is, which is what I originally thought. Um, He ends up actually just being inside of the fucking tree. But he looks around, and then he sees something, and he says, Whoa! And he walks over to it. Back with Mark and Monica, they roll their bikes into the clearing with that ugly tree, and Mark gestures to the tree, saying, Well, big surprise. And Monica points, saying, Look! And we see Peter's bike and his helmet next to the next to another tree. I'm gonna just... I don't know. There's a lot of trees in this. They're in the woods, okay? Yeah, there's trees everywhere. Back with Peter, he's walking in this weird cave-looking thing, or I guess inside of a tree... And we see he's walking closer to some sort of homemade board game with a big glowing hole in the center. And there's a little spots to move and stuff. And there's a bunch of little trees around it. And then from behind him, a kid says, hi there. And Peter whips around to look at him as he walks closer with his arm stretched out for a handshake saying, glad you could make it. My name's Nathaniel. And Peter asks Nate where he is and if this is a dream. And Nathaniel laughs a little, saying, no, it's a game. You want to play? And Peter chuckles a little, saying, okay, I get it. I fell through that rotten tree up there, and uh, this is your basement of your house, right? (laughs) Nathaniel scrunches up his face, saying, um, sort of. Do you like it? I like how that just makes perfect sense to him. He's, oh, I get it. I fell through that magical portal, and I'm just in your basement. Okay. 
I thought something weird was going on. I don't know what he's thinking, because that is like the least likely thing in the whole world. Yeah, pretty much. Well, we look down at that board game, and the hole in the center shows Monica and Mark, and Nathaniel tells him, it's the forever game. Title drop. Yeah, right. Peter looks down at it saying, hey, cool, and then looks down at them in the globe or whatever it is, and he's saying, hey, guys, and he waves, but Nathaniel tells them that they can't hear him, so Peter's all, too bad. I'd really like to freak my sister out, even though she's currently freaked out because he has disappeared. <laughs> like, you already are doing that, but whatever. Nathaniel says, why? Don't you like her? And Peter looks at him saying, like her? She's a waste of space. And then he takes a seat saying, That's so, harsh. how do we play this game? I know, right? He's, okay, he's a really good asshole right now. And by good, I mean, like, you don't like him. Like, I don't yeah. like him. But Nathaniel points at the tree on his board game saying, it starts here at the pitchfork tree. Spin the spinner and choose any path. And we see him touch the game's metal spinner, and then he shows us the paths to the game board. And then his finger shows a little door and some stone saying, it's the first of the door. So, want to play? And Pete shrugs, saying, sure. And Nathaniel claps his hand, saying, wonderful. And then he sits down. And Peter tells him to lighten up and that it's just a game. But Nathaniel's like, oh, it's more than a game. Wait till you see. I'll go first. And he spins the spinner, which, like, whooshes really weirdly. Yeah. That spinner. It's cool, but it's weird. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it lands on seven, so he moves this little piece seven spots and sets it on a tile, which glows, and then he looks at Peter saying, potpourri, and Peter asks what that means, and Nathaniel tells him to look. So, the kids look in the middle globe, where we can see and hear Monica and Mark still trying to find Peter, then the wind picks up and Mark says, it's snowing colors, and Monica grabs a couple petals saying, hollyhocks? Hydrangea? flower petals and the camera pans over to mark who asks where they're coming from it's kind of fun i guess i don't know why that's a space on the board considering spoilers everything else is like life-threatening yeah like i guess it adds some variety like hey not everything is dangerous there's some good spaces too but i don't know even this just seems kind of pointless yeah but before we go any further let's meet this nathaniel guy how's that sound yeah He's played by Larry Downs, who you may recognize as Larry Touchman from Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. You know what? That's all we really need to say about him. <laughs> yeah. He gives off a real Sheldon Cooper vibe. He does. And you know what? I think he does this this role really well, so he did a good job. Yeah. Back with Peter, he laughs, saying, how did you do that? And Nathaniel tells him, it isn't him, but the game. And Peter's like, that's great. My turn. And he spins the wheel, which stops on five. So he moves his little piece five spots, which could either land on rain. So he stops and, and he goes back and tries a different path. And that one would land on lightning bolts. So he stops. He smacks his lip and says, lightning bolts. And that cold ass motherfucker puts his piece on lightning bolts. With Monica and Mark, lightning starts striking and it freaks the kids out. And Monica's all, lightning, get out of the open. And the kids run away and the camera shows the ground where the multicolored petals were disappears like the, the petals disappear yeah so mark runs with monica asking her if this is what they're supposed to do and monica says yeah stay close to the shorter trees and the kids duck by a dead tree on the ground and the lightning flashes and mark screams it's right on top of us and monica assures him it's okay that the lightning will strike the bigger trees first 
I was always told to just not go into any trees, like not be under any trees. I mean, ideally. I've never really been in a thunderstorm in the woods, though, I think. No, can't say that I have. There's some more lightning crashes, and then we zip back to Peter, who's watching the struggle in the little orb in the game, and he said, excellent, Monica hates lightning. (laughs) He's the worst. He is. Nathaniel silently spins the wheel, and it lands on four, so he lifts his piece up and stops. And Peter asks, what's wrong? And Nathaniel says, every time you spin, the last event stops, except one. And Peter asks, which one? And then he puts his piece on a spot with a grumpy looking troll or something on it and says, the burden beast. Once he's come, he never goes away. Peter's like, so it's just a game, right? Dude, have you not been watching the TV? So I just like that Nathaniel knows about this burden beast and he picked the path with the burden beast on it. But he's not like the he's not the villain of this episode, but he kind of is. I don't know. I mean, he's the antagonist, I guess. But I mean, he he shouldn't want to bring harm to these two people in the woods. Right. Like neither of the players who are playing the game have anything to gain by fucking over the people in the woods. In fact, the people in the woods, like, have nothing to do with this game. No. Other than this game just being some kind of weird, like, I don't know, gladiator, voyeur (laughs) thing. I don't even, I don't even know. Would you put it that way? This episode's kind of (laughs) stupid. I don't know who this game is for. Because to them, just looking at the game simply mechanically, all they want to do is randomly spin high numbers and get to the end first yeah it's kind of like Candyland. yeah it's Candyland with a little bit more death maybe so yeah like i don't like there's not really any strategy like maybe i'm assuming that the burden beast is on like the quickest path to get to the door but even so like i don't get it i don't get why he's doing this because he's not evil no he just wants out yeah Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your useless best friend. Thank you so much for taking a listen to our show. Five seasons down, two to go, and I'm very excited to get into them. A lot of these episodes I'll be seeing for the first time, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what season six and seven bring. Looking for more laughs? You've got to check out our Instagram and Twitter. That's at Private Island Presents on Instagram and at PRVT Island on Twitter. We make a ton of extra content for the show and post them over there. All new GIFs, memes, videos, and so much more for you to love. We're about to get into our very first Patreon-only giveaway, and now is the perfect time to become a patron and get entered in to win. I've got a lot of good stuff, including the all-new 2019 Are You Afraid of the Dark reboot on DVD. So, check us out at patreon.com slash private island and become a patron for as little as $1 a month today. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Bronze Beth, Heather, Angela, and Eddie, the Silver Goth, Shane, and Steven, the Golden Day Days, Faith, and Sarah, and the Platinum Bostics, Bryce, Kathy, Carly, and newest patron, Evelyn. Thank you so much, everyone, for your support. Our show wouldn't be the same without you. Stay tuned for more information on that Patreon-only giveaway. For a quick link to all of our social medias, the Patreon, Facebook group, and more, check the episode description for our Linktree link. We're always happy to get emails from you, so if you've got a story you want to share, a question you want to ask, or if you just want to chat, 
reach out to us at privateislandpresents at gmail.com. Now I'd like to play the promo for the Geek Exploration Podcast, where hosts John and Ben deep dive into new topics every other Tuesday. Welcome to Geek Exploration, the podcast. I'm John Williams. And I'm Ben Robinson. Do you like time travel? Movies? Video games? Comics? Sci-fi? Cartoons? Or how about action figures? Well, so do we. Every episode, we pick a topic from the geekosphere and have a little chat about it. So if you've been waiting for a groundbreaking podcast that does all of this and more, you might have what it takes to be a Geek Explorer. Come join us every other Tuesday for a fresh installment of Geek Exploration, the podcast. You can find us at geeksplorationpodcast.com or any reputable podcatcher likely a few unreputable ones thanks again everyone for listening in we really appreciate you for now i'll let you get back to the show and i'll talk to you soon bye back with mark and monica they're still ducked down by that dead tree and they look up and mark says it's over and monica agrees saying that they're safe now except with Mark, a gnarly claw dagger flies next to him and hits the tree standing by and then like sticks into it. And he falls to the ground screaming and he's like, what was that? And then we hear some growling and a clawed hand pops up and some sort of werewolf looking monster throws another one of its claws at the kid. And Monica screams and the two kids start running away. <laughs> I love that this thing just throws claws. <laughs> It reminds me of X-Men, of that guy that, like, I don't know if you've seen that. I think it's in, like, the third movie where he, like, grows spikes out of his wrist and then throws them at Wolverine. Yeah, I remember that. But I don't know. I don't I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. I think it's cool, <laughs> but I don't get it. It's just such a, like, video gamey kind of attack. Yeah. It's kind of like in Mortal Kombat. Remember the movie where, like, Scorpion and they were fighting in the woods? It reminds me of that, too. Yeah, I can see that. It's kind of weird, but it's kind of cool. With Peter, he tells Nathaniel to stop it and that this isn't funny anymore. And Nathaniel tells him that they're only beginning. And Peter looks at him saying, well, too bad, I quit. And Nate tells him that he can't quit and he's got to finish the game. As Peter tries to pull his piece off the board saying, no, I don't want to. But he struggles and he can't remove it, just like in Jumanji. And we see Mark and Monica getting chased in the globe. And Nathaniel tells them that, yeah, he does. And Peter asks, why? And Nathaniel tells him that the winner gets to leave and the loser has to stay here forever. That's why it's called the Forever Game. And Peter slunks down in his seat and we cut to commercial. Back from commercial, the monster pops up in the camera and it looks a lot like that board game piece. So I thought, good job on this episode's part. It's a it's a trolled-looking dude, and he's got tusks, and he's chasing after Mark and Monica. He's throwing his claws at the kid, and Mark tells Monica to go this way, but Monica tells him to wait, and she sets down her fanny pack, and then they run another way. Monica is a genius in this episode. They're in the woods, and she's like, we're in a board game, guys. <laughs> she knows everything about everything yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. She's read Into the Brush by Oscar Butts! She she knows what to do. And speaking of that, I think this monster's cooler than the Manah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's not even that cool of a monster. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> With the monster, he picks up and sniffs the fanny pack and then runs down the path that the kids didn't run down. With the kids, they're hiding behind a tree and Peter sees it in his orb saying, Oh, excellent, Monica. 
And then from the orb, we hear Monica say something. Something weird is going on. And Mark's like, yeah, you think? I Yeah, I don't. <laughs> Girl! <laughs> Jeez. From step one here, something weird was going on. Once a troll starts throwing claws at you, like you're in a whole other echelon of weird. <laughs> well, Monica says, that she thinks it's like somebody's playing with them, which is exactly what's fucking happening, Monica. Come on. <laughs> like, if you were just chased by, like, a maniac troll that's throwing, like, razor-sharp claws at you, would you be like, I think somebody's playing with us? No. I would be like, what the fuck is that? And why is he throwing his claws at us? Yeah. Who throws a claw? Honestly. Grab that rusty bike from before and start poking him with it. Give him tetanus. Seriously. With Peter, he gets up and grabs Nathaniel, saying, Who the heck are you? And what do you mean loser gets stuck here? And Nathan tells him not to get angry and that he's a victim just like him. And Pete gets pissed, saying, You tricked me into playing this stupid game. And Nathaniel argues, saying that he had no choice, and neither did I. And I stumbled into this place just like you, and when I played, I lost. I've been stuck here ever since. And the two kids look over at the board, and Pete asks where it came from. And Nathaniel says that he doesn't know. It's been here a long, long time. Which is kind of cool, you know? I like that this episode doesn't necessarily have a villain. It's just, like, a situation. Yeah. Just like Dollmaker. Pete turns to him, saying, And what if I don't play? And Nathaniel tells him that they'll both be stuck here until someone finishes the game. So Peter walks back over and takes a seat. Nathaniel follows. And Peter points at the orb, saying, And what about them? Nathaniel tells them that if they don't play, then they're stuck too. But as soon as someone wins, they'll go free. If they survive. And so, I guess maybe I can understand why he would want to do the Burden Beast then, as like a backup plan in case like Peter was just never going to play the game? Maybe? I don't know. Like put some tension on there for his brother, or his friend and sister? I don't know. What happens if you come into these woods on your own? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they just they just play Candyland then. I don't know. What a boring game that would be. <laughs> that yeah. would be like the actual board game of Jumanji that they made. Oh, did where... you ever play that? Yeah, we owned that. I did too. I I all I ever did was look through the 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 cards to see what they said. Yeah, man, I was so excited that Christmas being like, oh my god, we've got Jumanji. Yeah. Not a single goddamn animal came out of that thing. No. Not one. Not even the mosquitoes. Seriously, I would have even taken the mosquitoes. <laughs> well, Larry Tudgman says, I'm sorry you're stuck, okay? But I'm sorry for me, too. At least if you play, you'll have a chance to get out. But if you don't, you'll be stuck here forever, and so will they. And we hear Monica call for Peter from the orb, which is unlikely i think at this point right or yeah she's just like peter where are you peter like no you're getting traced by a troll monster i don't think that peter is on your mind right now no peter's dead keep going it's very stock footage peter come on out it's and it happens again later and stupid then too and peter looks over and he spins a wheel and it lands on seven so he moves this piece along the board and it lands on a honeypot looking thing and nathaniel says a sticky bit And Peter asks if it's a good thing, and Nathaniel says, well, no. (laughs) Doesn't sound good. No, but, like, it's clearly like a honeypot. 
That doesn't make sense to with what it was. With Mark and Monica, Mark asks, if we didn't get out on bikes, we're not going to get out on foot. And Monica tells him not to say that and that they're going to find their, they're going to find Peter and they're going to get out. And Mark looks from behind him for a second and then he falls with a scream and we look over and his lower half has sunken into the ground. And he starts screaming for help saying that he's sinking and Monica runs over, she grabs a tree branch and hands it to him and tries to pull him out. But honeypot does not equal quicksand. Well, what does equal quicksand on a tiny little picture on a board game? They got the troll pretty right. They could just have a person getting sucked under the ground. Like, (laughs) it's not that hard. Okay, I guess you're right. You should have designed this game. I know. I wouldn't have had a goddamn potpourri button. I would have like a mousetrap that it's like a chain reaction. Oh, a simple contraption. Yeah, maybe even an... (laughs) A don't wake daddy. (laughs) (laughs) With Peter, he yells at Nathaniel to hurry up and spin. But Nate says that he's playing his course. And Monica tries to pull Mark up. And Peter yells at Nathan to spin. Who says, every move is crucial. Like, motherfucker, just spin your goddamn piece. Just go. (laughs) It's like a straight line to the end. Just Just spin your damn circle. It's random what you you land on. Seriously. There's no, there's, there's nothing crucial about this. You spin it, and then you figure out where you're going to go. Yeah. Peter grabs Nathaniel and says, do it, now! So he spins it, and that cuts to Monica and Mark getting thrown to the ground, and Mark's no longer sinking in the quicksand. The patch of quicksand dissolves into normal pathway, and the kids get up, and Mark asks where it went. With Peter, he looks relieved, and Nathaniel moves his little piece, and then tells Peter it's his turn. So he spins the wheel, and we get a little montage of the wheel spinning a whole bunch, and Peter and Nathaniel just, like, are moving their pieces, and it's just turn after turn. Um, I thought it was actually kind of a fun montage. I mean, yeah, it's cool. I'd rather see more stuff pop out of the game, though. Like, that's the gimmick. That's what yeah. you want to see. You want to see what kind of things they can come up with. This montage makes it look like it's going on for hours, though. Oh, yeah. You know, like, but as a montage does. We see what the board game looks like, and, like, it's not that long. It's not. And they're moving, like, ten spaces at a time. Like, this game would be over in three minutes if they just went back and forth spinning. Yeah. The camera looks at the fork tree in the board game, which fades to the fork tree in front of Monica and Mark. And Mark says, great, here we go again. And Monica shakes her head saying, the booby traps are aimed right at us. It's like somebody knows exactly where we are. And then the burden beast jumps up and growls and Monica screams, see? And Peter yells, spin fast. And Nathaniel calmly tells him that it doesn't matter, that the burden beast doesn't go away. And then he spins his wheel, which stops at four. And he moves his piece and is about to land on a crescent moon. And Peter asks him what that means. And Nathaniel tells him that it means it'll be nighttime till the end. But... That's a problem with me, because Nathaniel already said that the only piece that continues with them through turns is the Burden Beast. And now we have this one that continues through the turns? Yeah, he's a goddamn liar. He's a fucking liar. God damn it, Larry. See? He is evil. You can't trust him. He's such an asshole. With Mark and Monica, they're running down the path, and the camera passes by a tree, and then suddenly it's nighttime. And it's a really simple transition, but it looks pretty cool. Yeah, it's effective. The kids stop and they look up at the sky saying, what happened? And then the monster growls again, so the kids keep running. And they hide behind some log and the burden beast sniffs around and then walks past them. And the kids get up and Monica's saying, it couldn't see us in the dark. And they look over 
and see the fork tree. So Mark's saying, we're back at the stupid tree again. And Monica tells him that this whole thing started when they found that tree. And Mark asks if she thinks the tree has something to do with all this. And Monica says, let's find out. And they get up and they walk towards the tree. In the tree, Peter asks what they're doing. And Nathaniel tells him that it doesn't matter. And he's five squares away from smelling fresh air again. So Peter tells him it's not over yet. And then he spins the wheel and it stops on five. So he moves five more squares. And he has a branching option of switch or go back 15 spaces. And Peter tells him no contest. I pick switch. Nathaniel quickly says lucky you. And Peter asks what he means, and Nathaniel tells him that switch means someone in the forest switches places with you. And Peter's all, you mean I can leave? And Peter says, oh yes, I'm out of here. And he's about to land on the spot, but then asks who takes his place. And Nathaniel tells him that it's his choice, either his sister or his friend. Isn't that great? Now you can escape and get rid of your sister at the same time. And we hear Mark and Monica calling out for Peter again in the distance, which is something that would not happen at this time, because they're fixated on that tree, but whatever and nathaniel asks him what he's waiting for move the piece and switch with her man that would be so shitty to switch places at that point like imagine you're in the woods mm-hmm. you're you know running away from this claw throwing monster and then you just appear in this hobbit hole and some guy's like hey you got to play this game with me you're already at the end but like i'm gonna beat you so you're just trapped in here forever Ugh. yeah well that's yeah because the switch, the switch option's like pretty near the end. Yeah. So anyone who switches is just coming in at the end of the game. So they're either going to win, which is cool if they're way ahead, or they get there just in time to lose. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And they don't have any, like even random chance at that point. It's not going to help them. No. And Nathan's already said he's five squares away. <laughs> And then they lose, and then they're like, oh, man, well, play again, but Nathan's gone. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nobody tells them what happened. Um, You know what? I have a question. How many times do you think Nathan's played this game? Because he knows what every piece does. Yeah. He's played bunches of times, but he's just shit at it. <laughs> <laughs> well... Back to the game, Pete thinks about it for another moment, and then he slams down his piece on the negative 15 square, and he's looking pissed as hell. And Nathaniel asks him what he did that for, and that now he'll never win. And Peter says that he's not switching with anyone, especially my sister. Nathaniel's all, okay, and now you're going to pay the price. And he spins his wheel, and it lands on three. And Peter happily says, I'm not paying anything yet. And Nathaniel looks upset, and then we switch back to Monica and Mark. Just switch with Mark. That's what I'm saying. Mark doesn't do anything in this episode. <laughs> yeah. He's just Mark's there to be like, useless human. No the? one will miss him. <laughs> <laughs> the kids run up to the tree and Monica says, maybe there's a trap door? And she looks around the back of the tree and Mark complains that there's nothing there. And then Monica kicks the tree and inside it shakes the game board. Back with her, she says, it's this tree. I know it. This is what's keeping us here. Of course you do. She's a, she's a genius. Mark looks at it again saying, hey, I think it's dead. Maybe we can knock it over. So he starts pushing on this tree with Monica pulling, and then it shakes a bunch. And inside, Peter asks what's going on as the inside of the tree's shaking. And then Nathaniel says he doesn't know. And then Peter points saying, it's the tree. That's the key, and Monica knows it. And Nathaniel yells that there's no way they'll knock it down. But Peter looks saying, unless I can help. 
and he spins his wheel, which stops on eight, and he claps in, yes, and he moves his piece, and Nathaniel says, hey, what are you doing? That's backwards, and Peter says, exactly, and he lands on the lightning square again, which is really good thinking for this kid. I'm surprised the rules say you can't move backwards, but he fucking does it. I mean, no one showed him a rule book. That's true. We're just supposed to try the, trust this lying piece of shit. You know what? This kid sucks, but I appreciate his like transformation into like a good character. Uh, eh. I appreciate that he's not an asshole by the end of the episode. I appreciate that he didn't kill his sister. That's all the points he's getting from me. <laughs> Like, good on you for not killing your family. You're great. Okay, well, I guess when you put it that way. With the kids outside, Mark's complaining again that they'll never do it as the lightning starts crackling again. Monica tells them, the lightning might. Inside, Nathaniel apologizes to Peter that he'll have to spend forever in a stupid ugly tree. And Peter tells him to wait, but he spins the wheel and it lands on one. And Nathaniel looks at it, scrunches his face, and says, This is torture! And he moves his base one, and it lands on another spot that lights up. And Peter takes his seat, asking what that means. And Nathaniel says, The broken stick. Nothing will happen until the next turn. And Peter asks if that means the lightning won't stop. And Nathaniel says, Not till you spin. And Peter takes a look at the board, saying, I'm in no hurry. How convenient. So, that broken stick space might as well just be a blank space. Yes. But they don't, they almost never land on the blank spaces. Because this board game is blank spaces filled Mm -hmm. every once in a while with these event spaces. Yeah. But they exclusively land on the event spaces. Yeah. Except for probably. Except in the montage. (laughs) So that's dumb. It is. The broken Um, stick. Like, I get it, they had to have a reason for, like, the lightning to storm to continue on through Peter's, uh, through Nathaniel's turn, but just, like, make Peter fight with Nathaniel, like, have him get into a scuffle inside the tree and, like, you know, him, have him fight him so that he doesn't have an opportunity to roll the spinner. Not just, oh, the space solves everything. That would have been a lot more exciting. Yeah, it's dumb. Outside, the kids are still pushing and pulling on the tree, and the sky is filled with lightning. And Monica says, if lightning hits the tree, then it'll go down. And we gotta be right here because the lightning follows us. And Mark asks if that's a little dangerous. Which, yeah, it's fucking Just trust her. She knows everything. She's, yeah. She's solved to this game that she knows she's inside. Hacks. (laughs) Right. Pure ponage. She's about to pwn Nathaniel. (laughs) Get pwned, nub. (laughs) Inside, inside, Nathaniel tells Peter to spin, since he's only one space away, and Peter tells him, no, no rush, I'm plotting my course, and Nathaniel sighs. <laughs> Outside, the kids are still working on that tree when the burden beast finds them and starts running their way, and Monica yells for Mark not to move, since this he is ran out only of fanny chance. packs to follow, huh? Yeah. Inside, the two kids are looking through the orb, and Nathaniel says that they'll have to move now, and Pete cheers on Monica. The kids outside scream some more. Monica tells Mark to hang on. It's cut with the beast getting closer until finally the lightning hits the forked tree. It travels inside and hits the orb in the middle of the board game, causing a huge explosion. Monica and Mark fall to the ground and it's light outside again. And Mark's all, whoa. And the two kids get up and we hear Peter say, Monica? And Monica says, Peter. 
and through a cloud of smoke we see peter and he asks if they're okay and mark tells him they're fine but asks where he's been and peter tells him that you're not gonna believe this i saw the whole thing everything that happened to you guys and he looks down at monica saying and you were great and then from behind the kids they hear a voice saying peter and the fog clears and there's an old man who says it's me nathaniel what a fucking ripoff I know. Did you imagine being stuck in there and then you finally get out? You just lost all that time. And you got like a week left to live. (laughs) What if he was in there for like 30 more years? Would he just come out a skeleton? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I guess so. He shuffles over to Peter who asks, what happened? And old man Nathaniel says, I guess I grew old after all these years. But that's all right. I'm free. And he looks over at Monica and Mark saying, because you figured out how to beat the game once and for all. And Peter asks him where he's going to go. And Nathaniel says, to the old neighborhood. I haven't been there since the year I ran away, 1929. And he lifts his hands up saying goodbye and walks away. So he's been in there for like close to 70 years. Well, at this point, it would have been 70 years because it came out in 99. What do you think that does to a person's psyche? He's been living in a tree for 70 years. Brandon, he's fine, okay? He's going to the old neighborhood to go find out that everybody he knew and loved is dead. (laughs) Uh, At some point, he's played this game a lot and lost a lot. At some point, somebody would wander into those woods and he'd be like, all right, I've lost this game a million times. (laughs) Yeah. I've got a person in here with me. You know, company after all these years, like just stop playing the game. You would don't, think don't spin the spinner, and then you've just got a buddy. That's stupid. Maybe he already did that. We don't know. Maybe he did that. Yeah. Then the other person would just kill you in your sleep or something. It's mm, another way out of the game. I didn't think of that. Take that metal spinner and just slit your neck with it. Mark asks, okay, you going to tell us what that was all about? And Peter says, yeah, but not until Monica leads us home. And the kids all get on their bikes, and they ride away, and the camera looks at that toppled forked tree, and then fades to the campfire. And that's the end. Well, that was stupid, but I liked it. Like I said. I liked it, too. It was a good episode. I had fun with it. I will say, if they were bringing this show back after a few years... This isn't the kind of episode I would think they'd want to lead it off with. Mm -hmm. If I were them, I would be trying to recreate a ghastly grinner or Zebo kind of character or moment or feeling or something. Right. Well, let's see. In the first season, we had Phantom Cab first, or Twisted Claw, depending on which one you see. And neither one of those episodes had anything that was... Well, I guess it had Vink. Never mind. But, like, Zebo didn't come until the next episode, so maybe in episode two is when we get the season six and seven counterpart to Zebo. I guess we'll see. Yeah. So Tucker says, Peter gave Monica the respect she deserves, and together they beat the Forever game. Forever. All the new kids whisper about how that story was awesome. And Tucker says, that's how it works. Next time, someone else tells a story. So, are we going to keep this going? And Andy stands up saying, I'm coming back. Absolutely. Vange agrees. She's in. Megan says, um, can we like do this in my father's backyard? 
And the kids give her a look, and she says, okay, I guess, whatever. And Quinn, who's standing next to Tucker, smiles, then looks at him saying, you let anybody know I'm a part of this, and you'll answer to my buddy, Senior Fist. And they chuckle a little, and all the kids start walking down the path saying, how cool this shit is. And we stay back with Tucker, who looks around and smiles saying, we're back. A dinosaur story. And that's the end. Ooh. The credits theme, Brandon. Did you listen to it? I did. It's different. It's different. They try. I don't to think I like it as much, but rock it isn't it up a bit. Yeah, I didn't think it was bad, but I don't think I like it as much as the original credits. Theme. No, no, I don't think. I don't think it's as good. They slowed it down, and what I want with my ending themed Are You Afraid of the Dark is rocking guitars. Yeah, you want them to just fucking shred. Exactly. But that was the tale of the Forever Game and the start to season six. It's decent. A decent start. Yeah, I think so too. Good enough that I think, you know, this isn't just going to be a dumpster fire of a season. Well, we still have 12 other episodes. It could still be a dumpster fire. I'm just saying, a first (laughs) impression, it's not bad. Yeah, same here, same here. Moral of the story, don't be a fucking asshole. That's a good moral. Don't be one of those kids that, like, somebody has to prove themselves to you to be their friend, or else you're a jerk to them. Yeah. That's stupid. Um, maybe just try knowing everything? That's a good, yeah. Just know. Just do it. Just understand everything about life. If you're stuck in a, like, a paranormal situation or um, some sort of board game that's impossible to be a part of, just know that that's what's happening. More of the story. Be a Monica, not a Peter. Yes. Okay. The Tale of the Forever Game. I like that. I think it's a good story it's name. Decent. Yeah. I mean, you knew what it was. It was Jumanji. You knew it. But I think we could probably come up with a couple of other alternative and or better names. How's that sound? Yeah. The Tale of the Burden Beast. The Tale of the Renegade Bikers. Oh, God. The Tale of Jumanji. (laughs) The Tale of the Lost Woods. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. The Tale of Old Man Nathaniel. Spoilers. (laughs) The tale of the know-it-all sister. The tale of the useless friend. (laughs) (laughs) He was so useless. I thought he was going to be like the main character because he was nice and he talked a lot at the beginning and then Mm -hmm. nope. His purpose was to have things explained to him by Monica. (laughs) Because if she were by herself, she would just be loudly narrating to herself. So true. Yes, exactly. Um, Yeah, that's all I got. Do you want to find out what's next? Yes, please. All right. Up next is... (laughs) Are you ready for this? (laughs) What is it? The next episode is called The Tale of the Misfortune Cookie. (laughs) Oh, come the fuck on. All right, this is a dumpster fire of a season. Whatever I said earlier. (laughs) Just burn it all down. I know, I know. (laughs) Misfortune Cookie. Oh, my God. Who do you think is going to tell this story? Uh, this is a Megan. A Megan? I think it's going to be Augustus Gloop. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be eating fortune cookies be like, I never what my story is about. <laughs> and, and Quinn's going to be like, uh, Andy, you ate the fortune. And she's like, shut up, I'm starving. <laughs> 
Wow, that's dumb. I know. Okay, so this is just going to be curious camera, but fortune cookies instead of pictures. What else could it be? Obviously, it's going to be a kid that's going to get a fortune, and it's going to be something bad, and he's going to be like, what? This is some sort of misfortune cookie. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone says, if anyone in the story says misfortune cookie, I'm going to make an IMDB account just specifically to rate that episode. Very low. Hey, you know what? Let's add another segment. Just so we get a little taste of it, because I've never seen this episode. Let's go to IMDB. Tale of the Misfortune Cookie. Let's see what this is rated on IMDb, shall we? Okay. It's an 8 out of 10. Oh. Yeah. All right. The last one was a 3.5 out of 10, and it did not deserve that. So, so IMDb means nothing. No, it means nothing, and that's okay. But uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's take a, a week of breather. We'll meet back here for the Tale of the Misfortune Cookie. I'm looking forward to it. I am too. This is going to be awful. I just, I can, I know it. (laughs) Misfortune cookie. Oh, but I've been up all night, Brandon. I'm going to sleep. I'll see you next week. Me too. All right. Well, bye, everybody. Bye. Hi, Tranja.